This is the Taiwanology podcast from Commonwealth Magazine, where we discuss Taiwan matters and why they matter to you. Coming to you from Taipei, the capital of the freest nation in Asia. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Taiwanology podcast. This is your host, Guang Yingliu from Commonwealth Magazine. Ever since the launch of ChatGPT by OpenAI half a year ago, generative artificial intelligence has become all the rage. Companies like Microsoft are embedding the technology into their browsers. Students are using it to help out with their school projects. While some people see enormous potential, some others see potential for abuse. Scammers and imposters now have access to ever more powerful tools to create deepfake audio or even videos with. Commonwealth Magazine did a cover story in April about Taiwan's role in the emerging artificial intelligence industry. What I found most interesting was the MediaTek Research Lab, a Taiwanese team working on the world's first large language model on traditional Chinese language data. Some say it has the potential to become Taiwan's answers to ChatGPT. So what kind of role does AI play in Taiwan's future? When we take advantage of AI in our everyday life and work, how do we mitigate the negative impact of deepfakes and AI hallucinations? And will all singers become virtual over the next decade? Here to answer our pressing questions is Ethan Du, Du Yijin. He is the founder of Taiwan AI Labs. And more importantly, he was once the head of a Microsoft team that created the AI assistant Cortana a few years ago, which later became the team that created ChatGPT. Again, full disclosure, Commonwealth Magazine has been partnering with AI Labs for the past few years on a digital voice project for podcasts using deep learning. I believe Ethan is the best person to share insight with us on AI's future in Taiwan. Welcome, Ethan, to our studio. Hello. Thanks, our great host. Hello, everyone. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually nervous. I'm a fangirl here because everybody knows that Ethan is very popular in the AI sphere, and he is also very famous for creating the PT discussion board when he was still in college. So he was really famous for that. Ethan, let us start with Taiwan AI Labs. First of all, could you please tell us about what the Taiwan AI Labs does and what are your flagship projects? So after I left Microsoft in 2017, so Taiwan AI Lab is the organization I founded in Taiwan. That was the very first open air research institute in Asia. So that was a non-profit? We started with non-profit, but of course, if we have very good project like ChatGPT, we can spend all those provide a solution for the industries. I see, yeah. So why did you think Taiwan needs something like that, like AI labs? So when I was a principal day manager in Microsoft, and I was in charge of Microsoft Cortana. And I already see the revolution of the artificial intelligence that is going to change everything around the world. I see the pattern. I see the trend. 
However, instead of the current approach from the big tech approach in United States or the big government approach in China, Russia, is there more important thing we need to discover? So that was also the reason I wanted to fund Taiwan Airlab. Because like you just mentioned, when we funded PTT, that was also the very pioneer building block system around the world. And we run in a non-profit way. And that became a very different after it evolved. You can see the different, if, it, if this social network in United States, it will become a, a profit center. It will have a, a, like a com, commercialized ads. But in Taiwan, we more focus on connecting people, but we emphasize the equality of the voice, which means everyone on this platform is unique and is equal. And when we do the artificial intelligence, we know it will become the superpower in the future. But what did you see when you were heading the team creating Cortana? What could Cortana do that really scared you? I would say that Microsoft and Google are all very responsible company. They emphasize the ethic of the technology as well. However, they are optimization model is optimized for profit eventually because they are company on the Wall Street. Therefore, I think it's there a way when we do the research for the artificial intelligence, which there are some human-centered value we need to be very careful. For when we funded Taiwan Air Lab, we are the very first open air research institute. We emphasize the privacy we emphasize the integrity of the algorithm, and we also emphasize the transparency. So this is a very first human-centered hair research institute that we want to promote. Yeah, I really remember that you were one of the first tech people in Taiwan to talk about responsible and ethical AI. How do people have access to Taiwan AI Labs products. What are some of the projects that you have worked on? We have a wide range of projects. For example, in human computer in the Asian, like a traditional language and speech and speaker understanding, language machine translation. Only not only on the conversational part, we also do like a news understanding, which means we know what is happening around the world. And on top of news understanding, we know the manipulation of the news. Okay, that's very advanced. So that's another topic we have. Well, we have and we also learn from the artists in Taiwan. For example, we learn from the singer. We do the music understanding and also we do the, we create the AI singer mm-hmm. so they can sing a song just like a professional singer. That's for the human-computer interaction part. And on the other hand, we also have the medical part. So that including the medical image. So through the chest X-ray, we know if this patient have COVID or not. Wow. Then we also have genome research uh, because uh, before I joined Microsoft in 2006, I also worked for Human Genome Research Institute in NIH, United States. Yeah, so in Taiwan, we have the top research 
working together with the top medical centers in Taiwan, and we also have our top computer science and machine learning engineering works with the like artist, like a producer of the movies for the human computer interaction projects. So it's really a wide ranging variety of topics from medical to music industry to transcription. We are all very familiar with Yating Zigao, a very useful tool for transcription that's developed by Taiwan AI Labs. And so I would like to ask, since you have worked for Microsoft before, and also work for NIH, and you just finished a trip to the U.S. I think you went to San Francisco and other places. And I feel that in the past few months, there are a lot of podcasts and articles discussing the perils of AI. And you have some very senior AI researcher who were was publicly saying how dangerous AI will be for the humanity. So how are people discussing that and what can you share with us? I think since the end of last year, OpenAI released PT together with Microsoft because I was the funding day manager of Microsoft Cortana. Mm. Therefore, there are a lot of discussion about the ChatGPT because people feel it's so powerful and now it's going to change a lot of industry. For example, the news industry. Yeah, maybe, like my job is in danger. Maybe ChatGPT can help you to write the right. news and follow translation. In the past, we need to hire people to write the translation mm-hmm. script, and now ChatGPT can do a pretty well job. Yes. There are also a lot of discussion. So if if ChatGPT become a very powerful tool, then all the people rely on it. Is there any unconscious bias inside this AI area that can impact how people think. Now, that will be the cognitive issue mm-hmm. that people discuss. For example, a lot of documents trained in United States, which means um, the ChatGPT will speak more like a, a person in United States. That is maybe conflict with some interest that in China. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Chinese government banned ChatGPT right away. Okay. Yes. Uh, and um, so they can, they are developing their own. That's right. So artificial intelligence, you can, if it become a superpower, and if you can control it, actually it can achieve a lot of things. And people, people enjoy the power of artificial intelligence, but also is afraid of what will be the impact. Yeah. I think we have all seen the movies Terminator. <laughs> The Skynet and in, in, in other films, you also have really powerful robots or AI tools that end up taking over the human civilization. And maybe it wouldn't come to that, but I think a very possible scenario we're going to see now is people have their jobs replaced by AI. And maybe it's a good thing for people who don't want to work. But then the next question is, what are you going to do with your life when you don't need to work anymore? I would say that we humans will always find a new position. So a lot of time when people talk about will artificial intelligence replace human, I would say, of course, artificial intelligence will learn from human and eventually will help you in a lot of things. But human will always find a new 
precision or become the boss of artificial intelligence. Hmm. Yeah. We always find new things to do. We invent things. Ah,、uh, yes. You, you, we can have a lot of different artificial intelligence to support you. Then you can, you can just handle what you already know and try to explore what you don't know. Yeah. So I look forward to the day when I no longer have to host these podcasts because a ChatGPT can help me do it, and I can go hiking in the mountains or something like that. The next question is from a Taiwan perspective. I think. These large language models are interesting because we were just chatting before the open AI that speaks Chinese, the Chinese language, would be trained using the content or data, maybe primarily from China. So they would have embedded the worldviews of mainland Chinese worldview. And what's the implication for Taiwan? And do you think the our attempt in developing the large language model using traditional Chinese language would amount to anything? I think this part we we talk about is actually a lot of people talk about when we train the AI model, we are afraid of the bias of the artificial intelligence. And in the Chinese language, for example, if we collect the big data. Of Chinese language, the majority of the data may be from simplified Chinese.、Mm-hmm. It's not from traditional Chinese,、mm, which is used in Taiwan、yes. and Hong Kong. So, therefore, if you are AI engineering, you are not aware of it. You may train the AI model that is very opinion that is more towards the、uh, China. So we can usually find a lot of. Chinese document is actually from simplified Chinese, and also the labeling data is from simplified Chinese, because the dataset is always selected, and also the labeling content is also selected. That will, in the end, the result of the artificial intelligence will also be selected. And in Taiwan, we also see this kind of issues. For example, if you ask ChatGPT. Sometimes you will use the simplified Chinese, and that is delivering the opinion that is more China style opinion.、Mm-hmm. That is not not like the people speaking in Taiwan. Yeah, that's a really a fascinating question. Now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we discuss what are the other efforts that Taiwan can do, maybe in artificial intelligence models and responsible AI. Welcome back to the Taiwanology podcast. Today we talk about AI and Taiwan's role in this industry. This is your host, Guang Yingliu from Commonwealth Magazine. Our guest today is Ethan Du from Taiwan AI Labs. So we were just talking about the geopolitics of large language models, and in our the cover story by my colleague. She wrote about this Taiwan effort, this MediaTek research lab that is using traditional Chinese text to train their large language model. So, what do you see is the potential in that? The artificial intelligence will learn from human, therefore, it will learn from human spells. So, if you we prepare the data that's in 
Taiwan. That will more suitable for Taiwan's people. Mm -hmm. And if this data is prepared around the world, and for Chinese language, maybe it's uh, more suitable for China. And that's usually the result. So in artificial intelligence, a lot of time we talk about the marginal society, how you can ensure the marginal society will not be impaired. Because if we talk about big data, and we always only train the data based on the big data, usually the majority opinion will rule the AI algorithms. Right. Therefore, also when we talk about the trustworthy AI algorithm, we need to evaluate the AI bias. This kind of un unconscious bias that is all actually exists in artificial intelligence. And how we can evaluate, and how we can know its impact. So in Taiwan Alley, we have an infrastructure. We, we want to ensure people's privacy and artificial intelligence integrity by design. Therefore, we have a, like a trustworthy AI program that is leveraging the federated learning and the federated validation approach. Okay, what is federated learning? I think there, first of all, when we talk about the data governance, when we collect the data, we want to ensure this artificial intelligence algorithm can reach to a variety of the data. Therefore, to it's not only the selected set, we can reach as much as many as possible. But at the same time, we need to respect the ownership of the data. We call it respected data governance approach. Like each individual's ownership of their own data. Yes. So in a big tech approach like United States, usually collect the data in a big data center. And like big government approach like China, Russia, they will collect all the data into the government's data centers. So when we talk about the right respecting approach, so it will, the, if the institute own the data, it will collect the data inside the institute. If the individual own the data, it will collect the data in individual's device without putting out all this information. So in other words, instead of a centralized model of data ownership, it's distributed. It's distributed and we prepare in a common format. Instead of putting out the, the sensitive data, we actually create an open architecture to send the open air algorithms into individuals. Right. To put it simply, is this data anonymized? So you cannot tell, like, it's Kuang Ying Liu's birthday and this is where she lives, but instead you see this maybe number and this is where she lives. This is how old she is, but we don't see the name and personal data. Is that a... Yeah, so when we prepare the data, first of all, we try to reduce the PII, personal identifying information, that we call this, that will impact the privacy. But secondary, we actually don't pull the data out of your device, out of the institute, for example, the hospitals at all. The data will stay in the hospital, stay in your devices. And we can leverage the open architecture. We have an AI algorithm to learn from your data, but we don't 
then we don't pull your data out of your devices. We bring out the experience. And this experience is an AI model weight. After we aggregate all the experiences together, then we can reach a good AI model. In this way, we call it federated learning. Okay. I'm thinking of an example, a recent example during the pandemic. I think Taiwan was very famous for creating the contact tracing system. Is it a good example of using the anonymized data and federated? Yes, that is a very good example. Uh, so during the pandemic, we have we have a decentralized approach using a federated analytics approach. We know the the transmission of the virus without a centralized database. Yeah, yeah. So that will preserve our privacy. So there's no big government database to trace everyone. No, you only keep anonymous contact list in yourself. Yeah. So I remember the time when I was every day checking my app to see how many people I came to contact with, and if I was worried enough, I would do a rapid test. So yeah, that I think that was a very good example of good AI use. And beside the contact tracing app, we also leverage the federated learning to train the very first TFDA approval chest X-ray classified that can distinguish chest X-ray to know if this patient have COVID or not. Okay, that's really advanced. So I have I take an X-ray. I don't have to have my nose poked. So the doctor will know if I have COVID, and that is very useful during the early stage of the pandemic. Yeah, so that's a very good example. Okay, so Ethan, we were just talking about music. I would like to play a few seconds of the song for our listeners. Take a listen. Okay, so this is the voice of Taiwanese singer Sandy Chen, Chen Shanni, or was it? So, Ethan, you said you worked together in creating Taiwan's first AI-assisted music single. So, what we were hearing was not really Sandy's voice, or was it her voice? And who came up with the idea? Actually, Sandy came to us, and we discussed can artificial intelligence learn how she sings. Right. So this was a discussion. Then within couple weeks, we train our AI algorithm to learn how Sandy sings. Okay. How many songs did you use to train on the model? I don't. I actually don't remember the number of songs. So it's between forty to sixty songs. Okay, so that's many songs. Yeah, and we learned how Sandy sings. And after that, it was very interesting. Then Sandy have an idea. So, can I publish this song with this AI singer? Therefore, Sandy useless the vocal from the AI singer, and then work with their team to publish this song without telling the team member this song is actually 
not seen by her. Okay, so in her team, how many people knew that was the AI vocal? Only the lyrics writer. No. Okay. Only one person. Only one person and Sandy. So only no, two. Okay,、people. only Sandy and that person. So in total, only two person in this professional team. After they publish this song、right. on KKBox and Spotify for a week, nobody feel is real. Everyone just feel oh, Sandy have a very good song. A new song. So song. the people in her company, the people she was working with, were they all assuming that was her voice? So what was their reaction when it was revealed? So after we released, so we after a week, Sandy and I announced actually Sandy never seen this song. He's seen by our AI singer. I think a lot of people just surprised, big surprise, because、uh, they cannot distinguish this.、Uh, this is actually not seen by Sandy. No, I couldn't. If she didn't tell me, I would assume that was her voice. I think that was quite a success. And what is the, the does this project get any international reception? What are people saying about this this project? Are you hearing anything? Actually, when I travel around in United States, a lot of friends and、uh, they listen to Chinese music and they just say they are very impressed and they want to introduce this AI singer and there are a lot of possibility in the future. But of course, there are also a lot of worries since we also have some good. We I also have some good friend of a professional singer, so they are starting to thinking, okay. So AI can sing in this way. So what what should I do、yeah. in the future? Yeah, yeah. I never have to record a new song again. So I I was saying like so this very similar in the time we have MP3, the professional singer will say, okay, so how can I sell my CD in yeah, the future? Right now and then it's streaming and then it's profit sharing. So I think right now people are. Already coming up with AI concerts, so they use hologram to recreate maybe Michael、mm-hmm. Jackson or Teresa Dang, and they use AI to create their voices. So you can maybe even sell tickets. Yeah, make people back to life, then you can join the concert in the virtual space. Yeah, yeah. And you, if you put on your VR glass, you it's like you are in the concert. Yeah, so there are also a lot of professional singers. They are come to us and talk with us, think about the new business model in the future. Some people are very proactive and thinking about new ideas because they feel in the future, even they are sleeping, the AI model of his or her copycat will help them to make money. That's a great idea. If you are. If you chat with people for a living, then you can just create a few AI models too. So you can chat with one hundred people at the same time. That's a good idea. Next, I'm going to play another segment for you. Take a listen. 大家早安，我是 Sky。近年来，吃素已经超越年龄与宗教，成为健康时尚的新流行。年轻族群因为环保或动物保护意识。选择拥抱纯素，也有人为了控制体重
，只要一有机会就吃素，成为弹性素食者。This is the voice of Sky. How do we call it? It should be news reading assistant. It's some kind of a persona created also by AI Labs in collaboration with Luomei, our colleague. So that was her voice, and I should say that every time I listen to this, it gives me goosebumps <laughs> because it really does sound like her. I feel like she was talking to me. So, could you talk about the Sky project that you have been working on with us, and how was the voice created? Yes, Sky is another very interesting project. We work with the Common Voice Magazine. So, similar to the AI singer, we talk with Romain. So, Romain、mm-hmm. is actually the vocal of the Sky. We learn from the old podcasts that she published before. With all these podcasts, then we can. Train an artificial intelligence agent to speak like her. In this way, Rome don't need to come to the podcast to record her her voice. They can just、oh. produce the podcast with the AI algorithms. So she doesn't need to even record new recordings. Just use the existing files. You can train the AI model. So I see the future of Taiwanology. So we now have like five episodes. Of my voice, so maybe you could create a new model for me. So for people who, if you can understand Mandarin Chinese, go to Ting Tianxia and find AI 读新闻 you will be able to hear Sky. Maybe we can have another English model as well. Yeah, that's that would be creepy, but that would be very interesting. A lot of time, the vocal owner when they first hear hear. Their voice, they will feel defensive. They don't like it, <laughs> so they will say it doesn't sound like me at all. Because it sounds like her, but it didn't control by her. It feel creepy、yeah. to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I would hate to have my voice reading some weird stuff that I didn't write. In conclusion, what do you think? What that the future is? Do you think? Our life with AI is going to be a bright future or a doom and gloom future. So I would say right now is a very important moment. We need to think about not only the regulation, what will be the methodology we can ensure artificial intelligence is helping our human nature instead of going against our human nature. Therefore, for example, when we Work on a sky project or work on the AI vocal project with Sandy Chen. We have a mechanism to make sure this artificial intelligence model is being used ethically according to our will with the vocal owner, and also the profit sharing model will contribute back to the vocal owner. For example. So I think it it is the right time to think about the regulation and also the business model. Also、mm-hmm. think about all creative, interesting application that can be used. Yeah, yeah. I think profit sharing is a topic that more and more people are talking about because we see that in a lot of places, graphic artists are protesting because their works are being used to train AI models like Midjourney to create new works, and I think. Musicians and singers, 
they must be thinking of the same thing. And I should say that it's comforting to know that we have companies like Taiwan AI Labs that are looking out for us in working to create a responsible and ethical use of AI. So, yeah, I would like to thank Ethan for coming into the show, and it was a really nice discussion. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, Guan Yu. That's a really great conversation with you. Thank you, and I can't help but think that the future belongs to AI. We just happen to live in it if we don't know how to harness it. So, if you like our show, please leave a review or write us an email. Follow Taiwanology wherever you get your podcasts. Our next episode will be online July 11th. Taiwanology is produced by Weiru Wang, edited by Ian Huang. I'm your host Guang Yingliu. Talk to you soon. Bye.